What up, world? It's your past first point guard and trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making this show your first listen. Coming at you each and every weekday, Monday through Friday. So make it your first listen. Tell your friends to do the same. It's Locked on Blazers, your team every day. In today's show, talk about the Blazers game against the Lakers. Uh, They kick off a road trip with... A bad, just a tough loss. A loss where they got handled by the Lakers. We'll talk about that one. Uh, Blazers signed Taze Moore to a uh, 10-day contract. The legally had to add a player on Saturday, and they finally did. We'll talk about what that means in the short and medium term for this team. And then what I want to do is I want to look back to look forward, kind of a mid-season check-in uh, by revisiting some bold, quote-unquote, quote, quote unquote, bold predictions I made back in the preseason and kind of how they stack up now that the Blazers have now played 42 games officially in the second half of the season. 41 was Friday night against the Pacers. This is 40, game 42 against the Lakers on Sunday. So uh, we will check in in the second and third segments with those bold predictions and kind of where they're at in midseason, what it says about where the team is, where they're going, um, and what we thought way back when on October 24th, 2023. But first, let's do what we do. Fastest recap in the West. Blazers lose 134-110 in LA. They trailed 31-36 after one. But, you know, the, the sort of the theme of all of these, the first three quarters was that they closed the quarter strong enough to make you feel like, well... It's not that bad. The trail by as many as 12 in the first quarter, cut it to five after one. Trailed by as many as 17 in the second quarter, and they cut it to 13 at, at halftime, 54-67. And it was like, yeah, they're getting they're getting housed. Like they're getting this, they're kind of getting dominated in this game, but they're only down 13. You know, like it's not that uh, I've watched enough of these games to not be like they're gonna win, but I thought like, hey, they've they've actually like kept themselves kind of in 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 that shouting distance, that classic range that they've been in for a lot of the season when they've been a competitive team. Unlike recently, um, you know, the last since the calendar flip of 2024 when they've had some beatdown games. Down 17, cut it to 13, cut it to 13 at the break, could be worse. But then third quarter rolls around, Lakers start to build a little bit of momentum, lead by as many as 22, but the Blazers do what they do, chip away, go into the fourth quarter, only down 16, 87, 103. But here's the problem. Still down double digits, and they didn't make a dent to open the third qu- open the fourth quarter, excuse me, and with... Uh, with six minutes left, down 21, and LeBron at the free throw line, to, ready to take two more free throws, Chauncey Billups pulled the plug and put in a, his all of his rookies, including Taze Moore, who signed a 10-day contract, making his NBA debut, and he scored! He had, had a bucket, had a dunk, had a fast break. But we got six minutes of deep bench garbage time with all garbage is a little disrespectful. Deep bench, deep bench participation time because the game was over. Like the Blazers just didn't they they didn't get a dent in it, and that's how they lose 134-110. That's your fastest recap in the West. To the box score, Malcolm Brogdon led the way. He had 23 on eight of 17 shooting to with seven boards and nine assists. He was good. He was the only Blazer who I think when I watched them play tonight, it was like, Malcolm was good. I don't think anyone else deserves the good title. Jeremy Grant, 17 on 6 of 15 shooting, didn't make a 3, uh, 3 boards, 3 assists. 12 for Jabari Walker in a start with along with 7 boards. Jabari wasn't bad. He just wasn't good. <laughs> he was asked to guard LeBron James. I don't think he had a, I don't think he had a, um, I don't think he had like a highly negative game. Just, just uh, certainly I wouldn't put him in the good column. DeAndre Ayton, I'll put him in the bad column. 6 points, 4 rebounds in 22 minutes. Um, just, just, 
just kind of a real quiet one, um, other than two buckets early in the third quarter from DeAndre Ayton. Anthony Simons, 19 points, two boards, three assists, had four turnovers. I thought Ant struggled a lot against the Lakers' traps. Um, one thing I came away from this game thinking is that is that the Pacers never double-team, right? They never double-team. It's, it's they're, they're, They stay home on shooters. They just dare you to beat them one-on-one, and the Blazers did with good one-on-one scoring. Jeremy Grant's a great one-on-one score. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon was really good as a one-on-one score in that game. The double teams and the way the Lakers play defense and their size, it it it, it made things a little tough on, on the Blazers. I don't think they lost this game on offense. Like, I really don't. They didn't shoot particularly well, 47% from the floor, 31% from three, 9 of 29. Like, they didn't shoot well. Um, but I, I think they lost this game just because they could they they some all of their turnovers seemingly were live ball turnovers. Everything was just a live ball turnover. Like every every time they coughed up the ball, the Lakers were going the other way. And they played almost almost like psyop level bad transition defense. Like almost to the point where I was like, is this is this some sort of elaborate trick to make me, a podcaster, go insane? Um, Lakers outscored them 35-8 in fast break points. It's kind of the difference of the game. Lakers got out and ran and got easy buckets. Blazers either didn't get back or got back stupid or got back and fouled or ran to the paint and not to shooters. Just like um, bad hustle, stupid hustle. <laughs> hustle to the wrong hustle two guys running to the thinking you know not covering for each other um running to the same spot just a comical transition defense they're not a good transition defensive team period but this one was like an exceptionally bad game the lakers are good in transition they're good on defense and their strengths really crushed the blazers in this one uh d'angelo russell went nuts he had himself a game 34 points and eight dimes um he gave it to whoever wanted it whatever blazer they put on him, he, they got that work. Tumani Kamara, when he came in off the bench, got that work. Amphrey Simons got that work. Scooby Anderson got that work. Um, D'Angelo Russell was dancing. He was he was clowning. He was taking transition threes that were way too hard. Made six three-pointers, 34-8. and eight. Uh, He led the way. LeBron James, ho-hum, 28-5-5 five and five for the 38-year-old. Anthony Davis, 14 points, 14 rebounds, 15 for Austin Reeves, 9 for Rui Hachimura. Off the bench, Cam Red old friend had 10 and then everybody else on the Lakers bench had four except for Max Lewis who went scoreless in four minutes um I don't think we need to talk too much more about this one let's talk about like they didn't they didn't play particularly well I thought that they lost this game in transition defense I don't think their half-court offense I think I think their half-court offense was kind of just normal bad against a good defensive team their half-court defense was totally fine they lost this game because they turned the ball over too much and um you give up 35 fast break points. Is going, you're minus 27 fast break points, you might lose. It's tough. It's tough to, tough to come back from that one. you got to make a lot of shots in the half court to come back from 27 to minus 27 easy easy buckets. Let's let's talk about Taze Moore, though. Blazers got a new player um, added to a 10-day contract. He's probably not a long-timer, but he's someone that you might need to know. So let's talk about him, and then let's revisit some preseason predictions I made in the second segment. Join me there, won't you? But before we do that, I want to tell you about LinkedIn Jobs. Look, it's the new year, and if you're a small business owner, you got to ask yourself, what's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? Well, LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. 
it's freaking LinkedIn. It has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It's the place where everyone posts their internet resume. So of course, you're going to find professionals on there. And hiring is easy when you have the qual- that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have all the time and resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, it's quick, and it's easy. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnMBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnMBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right. Blazers got a new player, Taze Moore, who made his NBA debut against the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, I don't know if I did the Blazers bench in the box score. Duop Reef had a nice game, 16 uh, to Monty Kamara, 15. And, and Ryan, Ryan Rupert, 6 in garbage time. Taze Moore, 2. 2 on a fast break dunk. Uh, and missed another shot, corner 3, that he missed pretty badly. Taze Moore is a uh, 25-year-old who played in college at, at Cal State Bakersfield and then at Houston his senior season and went undrafted in the 2022 draft and has spent uh, the last couple years in the G League. Uh, this summer, you know, played for the Texas Legends last year in the summer. He was in the summer league. He was in summer league with the Dallas Mavericks and he signed an Exhibit 10 deal, which is basically like, uh, hey, we want you to be part of our G League program. Here's a little guaranteed money to make sure you're part of our G League program type of contract. Plays with, plays with the Texas Legends uh, in, in the G League and then eventually is uh, the acquired by the Rip City Remix where he's just he's played a handful of games. Um, he's, you know, he's 6'5". He's an athletic guard. You know, they need some help, like just like folks who can dribble and he, he fits that profile because he's like guard type. Um, I, I can't claim to have watched him at, at in Houston or at least remember watching him. I think I watched that team play in the NCAA tournament. I can't remember him specifically um, and certainly haven't tuned into him in the in G League. So I've watched some YouTube videos today, though. I uh, watched a little, little pre-draft scouting report and I watched his uh, saw highlights from him uh, in the G League, you know, and, and read a little bit about him. Not a great has not shot well in, in the G League this year at all for the legends on, in the in the showcase or or since the season has started uh, post post uh, showcase in Orlando hasn't shot well for the legends hasn't shot well for the remix well he shot well but he's played two games um, you know but he's a slasher he's a really good athlete his highlights are filled with dunks and floaters and hustle plays um, you know he's six five wing he's definitely much more of a wing than a, than a point guardy type from just like watching watching him play a little bit but the Blazers needed uh, another guard they they were first of all they only had 13 players on the roster they had to get up to 14 but per the league rules they waited until the very last day after waving two guys to get up to the get up to that number and they signed to a two to a 10-day contract you might be asking like hey why don't they just convert to Brief. He's their natural backup center. He's going to eventually be on the the big the big roster. Why not convert him? I think they're just going for flexibility. Uh, there's no reason to chase converting Reith until after the all after the uh, trade deadline. Trade deadline is February eighth. You can cycle through ten day guys. More can sign two consecutive ten day deals, and then they'll have to either sign him to a full contract, which they won't, or they'll cycle through another ten day guard. And that's what they're going to do with the injuries they have. Um, you know, without and they waive Skylar Mays because he was he was. Um, they can't trade him, so it was like if he's on the, it, he's. It makes more sense to just go ahead and cut him, uh, for for roster flexibility reasons moving forward. If you're going to cut another guy who is tradable, like say, uh, say Moses Brown, um, like they need a guard. 
Shaden Sharp's hurt. Uh, Amphrey Simons has missed uh, missed a game with with illness, and when he misses a game, they're really light on just like dudes who can dribble. Jeremy Grant played point guard a little bit in the third quarter on um, on Friday evening when Scoot Henderson went out with with nasal contusion. Um, so they need another guard. They got him in Taze Moore. I don't think he's going to play if everyone's healthy, but you need insurance and he'll be around. I would assume he signs two 10 days and then they'll cycle through another 10 day and then we'll hit the trade deadline and they will have made their decisions. So uh, that's that's what you need to know. Six five wing out of Houston. Fun dunks, fun, legitimately fun dunks, um, like definitely NBA level athlete. Uh, we will see what else he can do. I don't think we're going to see a lot of them, but hopefully, um, you know, I, they, Getting your first bucket at Duncan Staples Center or whatever it's called now, Crypto.com Arena, Duncan LA. Fun, fun memory. I hope Taze enjoys it. Perhaps, perhaps the highlight of, of that um, of that performance. I don't think I mentioned Scoot Henderson in this game or in this box score. Let me hit this quickly. He he returned from the nasal contusion, played normal minutes off the bench, went one of six with four points, three turnovers, and two assists, uh, added a rebound as well. Okay, let's look back to look forward a little bit. Blazers check in at midseason. They're now twelve and thirty. And I want to revisit some pre some preseason predictions back in an episode that I published on this very podcast feed on October twenty fourth, twenty twenty three. So, like just ahead of the the start of the season, I made five bold predictions. Things I thought were they're, they're not like I tried to you know I tried to push the envelope a little bit, but I wasn't crazy like Scoot Anderson wins MVP or whatever. I I wanted to be like somewhat reasonable as I typically am, but like, you know, I was pushing the envelope a little bit to, to, to make what I, what classifies as a Mike Richmond bold prediction. But I think revisiting these bold predictions, see what I got right, see what I got wrong, kind of lets us know where we thought the Blazers were going to be and then where they are now. So my first one of those was that Anthony Simons, Jeremy Grant, DeAndre Aiden were all going to average career highs in scoring. All of them. Well, first one I got wrong. Amory Simons is averaging a career high. He is averaging a career high. He's up from 21.1 last year to 22.9, um, a career a career high scoring average. Jeremy Grant, not quite. His career high, 22.3 uh, in Detroit in the 2020-21 year, that, that year that started in, in December. Uh, and then, But he's at 21.8 this season. Um, you know, he, Ant's been good, got the ball in his hands, He's he's been a good offensive player. I think he's, um, I think some of like he's diet caffeine free Damian Lillard, and sometimes you could wish that there was a little more calories, a little more caffeine in there. But um, it's it, he can score in the league, and he's a good offensive player, um, w- despite some of his uh, some of his shortcomings as like not a superstar level lead guard type. He's just a good, he's just a darn good offensive player. Is, is probably what he is. Averaging 23 a game in the league is is nothing to, to on on pretty good efficiency. It's just like nothing to turn your nose up at. And it's been good on offense. That hasn't been his issue for me. Uh, Jeremy is like he's not an esthete. I do not care for the aesthetics of Jeremy Grant's game. It bothers me to, to watch some of the um, just like I'm gonna shoot it. Watch me shoot it. Possessions that he has, but. Dude can score in isolation. Dude can he can go get his own shot. He can he can drive to the rim. He's good at getting to the free throw line. Like he can score. Um, he's you know he was at one point averaging he was at one point you know pushing like the most efficient season of his career you know shooting shooting wise, uh, but he's he's cooled down a little bit from that. But he I mean, he's still solid and he's he's in the range. Although I don't think he'll get it of setting a career high in scoring. I don't think he's going to get up to twenty two point four. So I, I'm comfortable. I think Ant will get it. 
I think Jeremy will stay just below it. It'll be the second highest scoring season of his career, and I feel comfortable with being wrong in that way. DeAndre Ayton, I couldn't have been more incorrect. Straight up totally wrong. <laughs> uh, and I don't know if you're a long-time listener to the program, every day or shout-out to my everyday. It's like being wrong is like part of doing this every day. I'm not afraid of being wrong. I misspeak. I, 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 you know, I make predictions because then they might be wrong. I think revisiting the logic of why you were wrong is actually more valuable than hiding from it and, uh, or just hitting people with, I told you so. So I told you so is boring. I, sh- I didn't tell you so is, is probably more illuminating. DeAndre Ayton's averaging a career low, 13 points per game. He's averaging a career low field goal percentage. He's shooting the worst he ever has from the floor, including his rookie season. Averaging a career low in points, and he's yet to shoot a three-pointer. I thought this was the year he was going to spread his wings. I thought they were going to let him go, and he was just going to do weird stuff. I know he doesn't really want to shoot threes. He's more comfortable in the mid-range. But um, everything about DeAndre Ayton's game has been just frustrating to me to be totally clear he's been good on defense i don't think he's been a problem on defense he's very obviously their best center like the 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 defensive impact alone and the rebounding alone makes him better than than duop reef but like man there's some frustrating nights with him i i i um I kind of talked my, I, I was not really DeAndre Ayton believer. And then heading into preseason, I kind of talked myself into him. You know, he's going to, fi- he's going to find his way. They're going to, they're going to just like, he's just going to get this opportunity. He's going to be free from the shackles of Phoenix. And he's going to be, you know, he had coworkers he didn't get along with and a, and a coach he didn't get along with. And he's going to, he's going to really find himself. And he just hasn't. Um, some of that is, I think the Blazers didn't have, a, they don't have a really, they have a roster that doesn't compliment him well. Like putting him in the game next to Scoot and Tamani Kamara, like they did in the second quarter tonight is like, well, that's not enough shooting to get space for a big guy. But the knock on on Aiden from his former coach, Monty Williams, was that he didn't play with enough force consistently, just didn't play with force. And I think that's, that is my frustration with him. I feel like he'll roll to the rim and he will stop at nine and a half feet because he's really comfortable taking mid-range jumpers and he's really good at taking mid-range jumpers. But if you roll hard and continue your roll, you're going to open things up. If you roll with force, they have to guard you. If you roll with force, they have to, the, the tagger has to come all the way down to the rim. They don't just get to stop in the middle and then and screw up the spacing. I feel like there's nights on defense when he plays really well and there's nights on defense where you don't feel that force. Um, it takes a lot of fadeaway jumpers. He doesn't love to dunk the ball. Um, I thought he was going to be more ambidextrous than he is and he's, he's pretty right-handed, but that like plenty of guys are, are strong-hand dominant and pretty good. Um, to me, Aiton has been frustrating. Not bad. Not like he hasn't been like a true bad basketball player. Just been frustrating. I think he's been fine on defense. And I think the Blazers coaching staff had no idea once it was like, hey, he'll just, him and Ant will figure it out in pick and rolls. And once Ant got hurt and missed 18 consecutive games, it was like, what we're going to do with DeAndre Aiton is we don't know. <laughs> That's what it's kind of settled into. And then he got hurt and he's missed a bunch of time. And that ruins the sort of chemistry stuff. So, um, Ant's injury, then his injury. It's like it hasn't allowed him to settle in, but I've, um, like, I don't foresee him being a 20 point per game scorer on this basketball team this season. I was dead wrong about his impact on offense. Dead wrong. And um, I think it's one of the frustrating points of the season is that this guy was supposed to be, well, he was just supposed to be like what he's been, right? It's like an 18 and 10 guy. And you don't get that from DA every night. You don't. And, and it's not all his fault. Certainly, his coworkers do not compliment him well, and the coaching staff hasn't maximized him particularly well. But like, there are nights when you don't remember that Da is out there, and there's nights when you're like, Duopreth is better than him, 
And if you have nights when do when you say do operate with a 27 year old rookie who's traveled all around the world to get this opportunity just straight better than DA, that's that's a problem. Um, some of that is skill set stuff. Some of that is probably unfixable. But um, and why I mentioned the three pointer stuff, I thought I thought this was the year that DA was gonna was gonna spread his wings, right? I thought this was the year that he was gonna like shoot three pointers and be weird and on a team that's not good and a team where he probably has some leeway to like try new stuff. Have a weird game where you where you take five threes. Like have a weird game where you space to the corner, where you take trail threes in transition, where you like, you know, where you where you try more stuff, where you where you where you exist outside your comfort zone. I think my criticism of DeAndre is that he only exists in his comfort zone, and doing stuff outside of his comfort zone, it just doesn't happen. I thought early in the year he played his butt off, and I was really complimenting of him on this very podcast. Then I thought there was a a, a section of the year where his effort really, really, really waned. And I'm not sure we've gotten back to the other side of that just yet, but he's been injured, and I'll, I'll effort stuff we'll talk about later. Right now, it just hasn't been very effective, and um, that to me, frustrating. What are you gonna do? Sometimes you get it wrong. Okay, I got four more predictions that I made in preseason. I will share them with you to close the show. Before we do that, I want to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Uh, if you're thinking about therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? Uh, it's entirely online. It's made to be flexible and fit your schedule. And you can get signed up quickly, fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Therapy is wonderful for helping you develop the tools to live the best version of your life. Uh, Whether you're dealing with an acute trauma or just needing the day-to-day maintenance of getting through it, talking to someone, speaking with a therapist can help you develop the tools you need to work on or continue to work on being the best version of yourself. So if that sounds like something you need, why not check out BetterHelp? Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on MBA. You get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on NBA. Today's show is also brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book and an official partner of the NFL. And FanDuel wants to give you some free money. If you go make a $5 bet after you visit FanDuel.com slash NBA, any $5 bet, they'll give you $150 in bonus, in bonus bets to play around with. So make a bet, win or lose, you get $150 to, uh, right there in the app for you. The app's super easy to use, and you're going to find bets on anything that you could possibly be looking for. So you want to live bet games, you want to place futures bets on, you know, an NBA champion or or an NFL champion as we head down to the, the end of the NFL playoffs, or you just want to, you know, put together crazy parlays. You're going to find it all on FanDuel.com slash LockdownNBA. That's one more time for you. FanDuel.com slash LockdownNBA. That's FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Still a pass first point guard. I'm still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked On Blazers. Let's talk more bold predictions. This one I got right. <laughs> I got some of these right. This one I legitimately got right. Uh, I predicted the Blazers would be bottom five in both offense and defense this year. Uh, they've been bought, they've been the worst offense in the league pretty much all season long. That's a personnel thing. It's a coaching thing. I think it's. I think it's both. I lean more personnel than coaching, but certainly it's part of the part of the equation that I think they're pretty vanilla on offense, um, and and 
lack of skill sets and then and then vanilla offense like lack of creativity um leads to some tough nights or like a million tough nights but they're they're like Chauncey Billups coaches butt off you're gonna be magically better at shooting but you probably would be better than the worst offense in the league um they've been 30th for most of the season the defense has slipped they were playing pretty well at the beginning of the season. Last two years, they've started hot and kind of faded. Uh, we're, in, we're in the fade portion of the program. And at some point, we'll be in the lose-on-purpose, make-up-injuries portion of the program. Not looking forward to that. I like the fade better than the lie. Um, they're twenty, According to Cleaning the Glass, they've, they've slipped now to 25th on defense, bottom five in both. Dang it. Defense was good at one point. They led the league in, in um, forcing turnovers. They they were limited three-point attempts. And then most of their magic, or a lot of their magic, was that teams really didn't shoot well at the beginning of the year. They shot, um, they, they had the, the best opponent uh, three-point percentage in the league, or the worst the opponent shot worse against from three against them than any team in the league. It's like, when other teams shoot bricks from three, that's, that's like, that's lucky mostly. Um, you know, if, if they're like significantly below the league average, you know, some teams do it every year. New Orleans has, has been a good three point defensive team every year. At some point it's like, it's part of who you are, but the Blazers, you know, they did it for 25 games, not 160 or whatever. Um, and slowly they're not like, it's not crazy better, but they, from dead, you know, dead last and in an opponent, a three point percentage to now they're like, they have the fourth worst opponent, three point percentage, like teams are just shooting a little bit better and the mojo has died a little bit and they're giving up um they're giving up more points they also played a month without deandre ayton who's incredibly important to what they want to do on defense um you know they're they're just they don't have the personnel to be like an awesome defense but i thought that they were showing and particularly with kind of the 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 energy that Tumani Kamara infused and the defense that, that Matisse Thibel is capable of playing to be better than what they've been. Um, it, it kind of feeds into itself. If the offense can't score and, 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 and you know, you're going to just, you're playing against teams running off rebounds and running off turnovers. Um, and if they're not taking the ball out of their net, you're, it's just tough. It feeds into itself. Um, I'm not super surprised they ended up here. I kind of thought they would, hence the prediction, but um, it ain't that fun. Here's what I got wrong, or at least I'm wrong so far. Next bold prediction I made back in October is that the Blazers would have a five-game winning streak this season. Chauncey Billups has has not coached the, in his two and a half seasons. This is the middle of the third season. Has has, has never coached a team that has won five straight games. A uh, four-game winning streak uh, back in back in his first season, but never five. And so I I foolishly said this would be the year they're going to win five. I don't know how because I thought they were going to be bad, but hey, they're going to string together five wins and maybe they will. Uh, their longest winning streak this season, October 30th, November 3rd, they beat Toronto and Detroit on the road and then Memphis at home in overtime. Um, that Toronto game, the, the Raptors, who aren't very good, shot it to a million bricks. Get the win, keep it moving. Detroit, they came back from down a bunch of points to beat a bad Pistons team. But at the time, the Pistons were like two and two. We didn't know how bad they were. They were like, maybe this Pistons team's a little bit punchy, baby. Um, so it was like not deep, deep losing streak Pistons. It was very early in the season Pistons. And then Memphis, you know, no no John Morant, but they had uh, Jaron Jackson and, and Desmond Bain and the Blazers end up winning that game in overtime. They win three in a row. They play Memphis the following, the two days later. The first Memphis game was a Friday. They played again on on uh, on uh, Sunday against the Grizzlies. And listener Travis sent me 
sent me an email after that after that game first game against Memphis and he said Mike do you think this will be the Blazers longest winning streak of the season and I said maybe uh, and Travis you might be right you might be right you might be right um the Blazers lose to the to the Lakers with the chance to make it three in a row on Sunday evening have not have yet to get another three game winning streak out of them uh, so maybe that'll be it um no I still you know they still could win they got they got 40 left. They could win They could win five in a row at some point. I'm not very confident in this one. Uh, I'm pretty much sure I got it wrong, and I think that Travis knew right away that when he emailed me back then. Uh, shout out to you, Travis. Okay, the next prediction that I bet I'm going to get right, and this kind of speaks to where we are in the season. I, sa- I made a prediction, bold prediction, that no one who started on opening night would be traded. No one who started on opening night would be traded. The starting, the opening night starting lineup was Scoot Henderson. That's a freebie. He's not getting traded. Anthony Simons, Matisse Thybulle, Jeremy Grant, and DeAndre Ayton. They weren't going to trade DeAndre Ayton after half of the season. Makes no sense. Matisse Thybulle has a um, has essentially no trade clause. He could get traded, but I like it. Wouldn't make sense to me that the Blazers would trade Matisse Thybulle when he has he signed a. Um, a offer sheet with the Mavs and the Blazers matched it. And when you when you sign an offer sheet as a restricted free agent and you come back to the incumbent team, they match it. Um, you have a year that you can veto any trade. You can you have you know right of first refusal, trade veto, no trade clause, whatever you want to call it. Um, and that means that you basically you get to pick where you go. And so the other team's not going to trade much for you because you're choosing your destination. So I don't I can't imagine that the Blazers trade Matisse Thibel. Um So that one's that one's probably. Up off the board. So really you're talking to Anthony Simons and Jeremy Grant. There's almost no chance they trade Anthony Simons. Not even almost no chance. There's no chance they trade Anthony Simons. It doesn't make sense. Um, At some point, they will have to decide what the future of this team is with Scoot Henderson and Anthony Simons and Shaden Sharp. But right now, Scoot's not very good. More on that in a moment. Like, you can't, you can't pick Scoot when Ant is twenty, like super young and and like good. Um, it just doesn't make any sense. Blazers have a lot of organizational investment in, in the number three overall pick, Scoot Henderson. So at some point, maybe you do have to go in that direction, but you don't now. It's just not pragmatic to make that trade. So Ant's not getting traded. So really, it's Jeremy Grant. And all the reporting around Jeremy Grant from 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 folks locally and nationally is that the Blazers are not interested super interested in trading jeremy grant if they were blown away by a trade package i'm i am certain they would trade jeremy grant i'm certain i think some of this posturing like blow us away we we are totally comfortable not trading jeremy grant we like what he does we don't have a power forward and waiting we don't have a scoot anderson that we have all this like organizational investment in um developmental investment in like waiting behind him we have jabari walker and tumani kamara like we can just we can keep him moving and he can be here and if the trade is underwhelming now we can trade him in in the off season or trade him next season and or into the future and and it'll, it'll be what it'll be um but I, in October, I, I, I had that same vibe that he wasn't going to get traded. I don't think he will. I think this is one that's going to end up being right. I think this is that nobody who started on opening night is going to get traded. It'll just be Malcolm Brogdon. Um, maybe I should have thrown that in there as a bold prediction. <laughs> um, we'll see who else end up, ends up in the Brogdon deal, if, they, if whatever it might end up looking like. But I think Brogdon is a, is a darn near lock to be on a new team. And JG is a darn near lock to be on the Blazers come February 9th. Okay, my final bold prediction that I got wrong, but I don't feel that bad about it, but it's not a good one. My prediction was that Scoot Henderson would lead all rookies in scoring. No. (laughs) No. Sorry, Mike. Nope. Um, But here's, here's the thing. I don't feel that bad about it because Scoot Henderson is fifth among rookies in scoring. 
Fifth, the volume is there for him. The minutes are there for him. The shots are there for him. The ball's in his hand. All of those things. Like he, the, it's, there is opportunity was there. It, all of the, here's some, here's some numbers that are not pretty. Among the top 30 rookies in points per game, only Toronto's Grady Dick has a lower field goal percentage than Scoot Henderson. And among the top 30 rookies in terms of minutes played, no one, no one among among the le- leaders in minutes played by rookies has a lower effective field goal percentage or true shooting percentage than Scoop. He's just basically in in a class of folks that are going to be pretty inefficient, young rookie players. Um, he is one of the least efficient among the big volume rookies. He is the least efficient among the big volume rookies. He's like, dude's just struggling. He, he, he's just, he just hasn't been good. I, I, I think... He's, I am still of the belief that Scoot Henderson's going to be a good NBA player. Um, I think he's super young. I think there's just a lot of time. I think he has some physical tools that he can get there. I think, um, you know, if he can improve his finishing, even to somewhere around league average, he can, he can just magically be a much better player. Um, he's, he's, that's without the shooting concerns. That's without the turnover concerns. That's just like make layups at a league average level for a guard bang, bang. You're like, you're, you're just like, you're way better. You're averaging 17 a game. It's magic. Um, cause he can get himself to his spots for the most part, but he has some decision-making issues that I think you can clean up and he doesn't have the, um, you know, he hasn't been crazy explosive and crazy highlights. Like I thought he would, his first step is there, but that explosion jumping off two feet, he sometimes looks small when he jumps off one foot, he can get up there. But you know, if you get in front of him, then he has to load up off two feet. He doesn't, he feels like a little guard playing in traffic. Um, you can still add craft. You can add touch. I'm not super worried about him, but he's like, he's, he's one of the reasons the Blazers are as bad as they are is because Scoot Henderson is not a good NBA player at all. I'm still very much in favor of him playing a bunch of minutes and figuring out and failing at the job every night. Like I'm very, very much in favor of it, but he has struggled. And I think the Blazers, by evidence, by they had him start night one as a, a, a point guard in the NBA. They had him as as the lead guard next to every time. And they thought he was going to be better too. I think this has surprised everyone. I'm sure it's surprised Scoot. I'm sure he's frustrated by it. It's probably pretty disheartening to, to have nights like this. Um, you know, it's, He's, you know, move him to the bench and magically be better. He said two, you know, against Brooklyn, now against the Lakers, not had good games off the bench. Um, you know, he's not a great pairing with Anthony Simon, so moving him away from that is fine. But um, some of this isn't just like you can fix it by tweaking the lineup or tweaking his minutes and who he plays against and all that. Like he's just he's 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 a young player still putting it together. And I thought he was. I thought the volume and the opportunity was there. Was he going to lead all rookies in scoring? Um, he's not going to end up doing that, but the fact that he's with all this inefficiency, like I just, I just detailed and he's still fifth among rookies in scoring. You can see I was, I had, I was on the right path. So where are the Blazers at midseason? As I wrap up here, every time has been an okay offensive, good offensive player. Jeremy Grant's been a good offensive player. DeAndre Ayton has struggled. The offensive defense are both bad, bottom five in the league. They don't string wins together and they're not going to make a major overhaul. And their young rookie, their prized, their prized number three overall pick, just has not played well. You put all that together, and their prize, you know, the 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 big part of the trade they made for every for Damian Lord, DeAndre Ayton struggled. Worst offensive, worst offensive season of his career. The point guard in waiting you drafted to replace Damian Lord, not immediately, but down the line, struggled. You add all that together. 
you don't have a bunch of magical shooting around him and, and you don't have really a ton of like high level other veterans. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon, Jeremy Grant have been solid. Matisse Labels good on defense. Um, you end up where you are. This is kind of what they were going to be. This is what you signed up for. The Blazers are launching a rebuild. They were going to be one of the bad teams. They were not a team chasing a play-in spot. They were not... In many ways, they are right where they should be. Does it feel good? No. Most nights it's frustrating. But I think there are little things to point to in in, in terms of like their, you know, Jabari Walker. I think Tumani Kamara's defense has been, has, been, uh, has been a bright spot. Like, there are little things, you know... You really want Shaden Sharp to get healthy and play. I think that's a huge part of the second half of the season is get him out on the court and get him playing and feel have stuff to feel good about. Um, you know, I don't think this season is like a failure. I think this season was, this is, this is a feature, not a bug. Like where they are is a feature, not a bug. This was in many ways the exact plan they had. But I think, you know, looking at these preseason predictions and ideas I had, I thought they were going to be bad. Bottom five in offense, bottom five in defense. But with some different type of fireworks than they've had, some different type of potency than they've had. Um, you know, I thought there was going to be struggles and inefficiency, but like, I didn't see them as the worst offense in the league. I saw them as like 25th and maybe the worst defense in the league, quite frankly, but I was, I, I got them flip-flopped. So I don't think this is like the time you bail and say, this team sucks and I hate them. If you're still in now, <laughs> when they're 12 and 30, like there's, there is plenty of growth in the second half of the season that can come from DeAndre and that can come from Scoot Henderson, um, that, that can, that when they make a trade that can come from, that come from, you know, figuring out what this team's going to look like in the future. Uh, there's plenty of growth to happen. I just think the Blazers at midseason are worse in ways that I thought they'd be better and bad in exactly the way, some of the ways that I thought way back in October. But I want, I want, I want to just, I want to say this one more time. We knew they weren't going to be good. None of this is a surprise. None of this is a surprise. This is the roster they have. This is, this is just, this is what, this is the car. These are the cars they, do, they dealt themselves, right? Like this was the path they chose. They're walking it. 40 games left. Uh, guess what? Tomorrow's show. How about this? We're talking trades. A crossover episode with Philip Rossman, Reich of the host of Locked On Magic. We're going to talk about a couple uh, Blazers guards he's got an eye on and some packages that the Orlando Magic could offer in exchange for him, specifically Malcolm Brogdon, because they ain't trading Anthony Simons. Come back for tomorrow's show. Then, later this week, we got five, excuse me, well, after that, three more episodes, wherever you get podcasts, also on YouTube. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon.